0: Thank you. Good morning and welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we ask, please, that you stand up and join us in worship. Great.
1: morning. This is the day the Lord has made, and we're going to rejoice in it. Amen? Amen. For those of you, if you're visiting with us for the first time today, welcome. Uh, You're not here by accident. There are no accidents in God's kingdom, so you're here for a purpose. We hope we get a chance to visit with you uh, more after service is over with. There's little uh, visitor cards in the the rows in front of you. If you fill those out, you can put them in the uh, offering plate or in the offering box out in the uh, foyer, and we'll get a chance to to check on you, if not immediately after service, we can check on you during the week. But thanks for being here today. Reminded that for uh, <clears throat> Humble Area Assistant Ministry, we're collecting cans of soup uh, for them this month. So the next time you go into the store, grab an extra can for, for those folks, for the needy. Uh, Wednesday night service, uh, we are uh, uh, meeting at uh, 645. Uh, the adults, the kids, Awanas, uh, and the youth uh, will be meeting uh, this Wednesday. Uh, the next uh, men's meeting is uh, on uh, January the 6th. We don't have a place yet or, or a time, but just mark your calendars, guys, that we're going to get together then. Um, and the angel tree uh, toys or gifts or were due today. So if you forgot yours, shame on you. No, if you forgot yours, we're going to be here. This is going to be a long day for us, as, as uh, many of you know. So we'll be here if you forgot it and you want to bring it back by. That's, that's awesome. Tuesday night's prayer night, beginning at 6.30. Uh, I encourage you to come join us. We pray for each other. We pray for the church, uh, and we pray for uh, this nation uh, on Tuesday nights. And we also have prayer partners that are in the back. If you something happens during the service or something, a song or a message uh, speaks to you and you want to go back to the back and pray, well, they're there for you. Uh, also, we have someone in our prayer room that covers this service and covers the message in prayer. So if you're interested in being part of our prayer team, just uh, let us know. We'd be glad to plug you in someplace uh, on the prayer team. It's an awesome, awesome time. Our offering, we uh, like to do it online if we can. There's a way that you can just go click on, uh, and you just fill out one time uh, your name and all that good kind of stuff. The next time you just have to add zeros to whatever number you're putting in there, and everybody will be happy. Or you can put it in an envelope that are also in the little uh, in the, uh, holders in, in the uh, row in front of you. And we put them in the baskets or in the basket in the back or in the, uh, in the uh, uh, box uh, in the foyer. Excuse me, my sinuses are killing me this morning. Um, <coughs> check your website. Check your bulletin for our schedule for Christmas time. Uh, we have some things that have been uh, canceled. Uh, we won't be doing Wednesday nights. Uh, just before and after uh, Christmas, and then we have just uh, one service on Christmas Eve. Speaking of Christmas Eve service, we need as much help as we can get uh, on the 23rd. I think that's the 22nd. That's a Friday. We're going to set up for for Christmas Christmas Eve service in the youth room where we've got some stuff that uh, we're going to put together, and we need some help getting all that set up so we don't have to do it Sunday, Sunday morning. Also, uh, as most of you know, uh, Annie Bullard, a congregant of ours uh, for well over 18 years, uh, passed away this week. And her service is immediately following this service. So we will not be having connect groups today. uh, But for those of you, the family invited the entire church to come to the service. It will be at 3 o'clock. And we'll need uh, some help setting up for we're going to feed the family afterwards. So we need some help setting up and tearing down for that if you're if you coming to the service. We would appreciate that. But hold that family up in your prayers also. So as I said earlier, it's great to see each and every one of you. So for those of you still standing and you know the routine, turn, find someone that you haven't seen in a while and greet them in the name of Jesus.
2: A thousand
1: To the throne of grace. It's our prayer time. This is your time. We're going to pray corporately, but at the same time, it's an opportunity for each of us. Just visualize God Almighty, a sovereign God, God that created the universe, opening his arms to each of you, welcoming the children. take this time just to clear your hearts clear your minds spend some time with our gracious God let us go to him in prayer gracious heavenly father as we come this morning and you join us here we have thanks we acknowledge that you are a sovereign God you're a gracious God a forgiving God a loving God Merciful, God. So I ask now, Father, that you hear the cry of your people. That the burdens that are on their heart, they lift them up to you. The concerns that they have, they lift them up to you. May they hear that small, still voice bringing them comfort and encouragement as you love them right where they are just as they are. Father, there are those that are hurting this week, a family that has lost everything to a house fire. We hold them up to you, Father. We hold those up to you that have been persecuted, for speaking your name, for speaking the truth, for sharing the gospel. We ask for a hedge of protection to be placed around them. Father, for those that are looking for for homes and those that are looking for work, Father, we just ask that you just guide them, direct them. Show them where you need them to be for your glory, for your kingdom. Father, for those that are in need of healing, we ask that you, the mighty physician, just reach down and make them whole. Whether it's those that are battling cancer, those that are battling a cold. Let them know that you have not forsaken them, that you are with them. So we hold up the caregivers and the doctors and nurses. May they be your hands and feet, your smile, your words of encouragement to those that are ill. For those that are facing surgery, Father. Bring them peace. Bring them godly surgeons, godly nurses. Father, we give thanks for those that you've healed, for, for Joe as, as he has beaten this illness. And Father, for those that are suffering and getting a little better, just continue to heal them, Father. Father, we pray for those that have lost loved ones especially hold up this morning, the Bullard family. As you welcome Miss Annie into your kingdom, Father, we give thanks for that small portion of time we had with her. We know that she is with you for eternity now. Hearing those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. So bring... Peace and comfort to the family, Father. For I know there is joy in your kingdom. Father, we pray for travel mercies for those that are away from us. We hold up Pastor Zeke as he's away. We hold up those that are away visiting family members during this time. Give them safe travels. Enjoyable time with family. Father, we pray for protection in peace, for peace in the Ukraine, for peace, and protection in Israel. For those that are still held captive, for those that are still fighting. Father, we ask that thy will be done. Father, we pray peace and protection for those that protect us, both here and abroad. First responders here and military folks that are here and and in countries far, far away. Father, we pray for their families as they are away. You would protect them? We pray for this nation. Father, guide us back to you. Pray for all our leaders. To be in tune with your will. this nation go back to be the godly nation it was when it was founded, Father. Focusing on you first and you second and you only. Father, we ask that you give us opportunities this week to be able to spread the gospel, to speak to those that are lost, for, Father, there are so many. May we be the words of encouragement. May they be able to look and see by the way we live our lives that you are alive and well. Father, we ask that you forgive us of our sins. For they are many. Father, we ask that you forgive us of the sins that we're not quite sure that we classify them as a sin. But if we have stepped off the path and wronged someone, Father, forgive us. We know you're a forgiving God. We know your word says that when we truly repent, you remember them no more. So, Father, if there's a burden that someone is carrying or a sin that someone is carrying, let them today be the day that they repent and turn around, change their ways, and come back to you, Father. We know that you love us all. Father, we pray for Pastor Mark in your message this morning. May his words be your words. May the meditation of our hearts be pleasing unto your sight as we hear your words. Father, more than anything, may we close each prayer with these simple words. That your will be done in our lives, in the lives of those around us. We pray all these things in your son's precious name and all that love you say, amen.
3: Good morning. Y'all doing good? I'm good, thank you. Appreciate you asking. Can we thank the worship team? Thank you guys. Truly appreciate it. Oh my goodness, what a blessing. All right. So, um, uh, Pastor Terry had mentioned that on Wednesday nights we have a adult Bible study in here. 6:45. We're starting a brand new study. We just started it. It's called "I Dare You Not to Bore Me with the Bible." I dare you not to bore me with the Bible. So I invite you to come on out. We're we're going through different passages of Scripture that are like obscure or unclear, or what does this verse mean? And 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 digging it out and discovering it, and we're we're following a um, a book. If you want to get the book, I, Tim Newport was telling me this morning it's on sale on Amazon. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And, it, and guess what it's called? It's called "I Dare You Not to Bore Me with the Bible." So, uh, uh, if you want to get the book, I, I highly recommend it uh, to to do that and join us and participate with us. The other thing, um, uh, just to reiterate. Um, we have prayer partners in the back of the room so at any point in time during service at all if you feel like you need the the holy spirit speaking to you and you want to go before the throne of god or you have a prayer need a request please go back there and meet with them it it uh it won't bother me if you stand up to go back and you'd rather talk to god than me that's okay that's that's quite fine please do that that's kind of like the whole point right I got one amen on that. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So we are in, um, in the four Sundays of Advent. Advent means the, the coming, the coming of Christ. And this is the time of year that we traditionally celebrate Jesus' coming to earth. And I would submit we're not only celebrating his first coming, but we're also looking forward to his return. How many are looking forward to his return? And so each of the four Sundays prior to, uh, uh, prior to that day that we celebrate that has a theme. And last week we looked at hope and the call for us to be hope. Uh, this week we're going to look at peace and, and, and looking at God's peace, God bringing peace on earth. Now what we're going to do, we're going to take a little journey. Ultimately where I hope to end up is that we, uh, um, It begins with us having peace with God, and from that place we enter in the peace of God, and from that place we bring God's peace in the world ultimately till He finally sets peace. But if you, uh, but what we're going to do before we get there is we're going to take this journey and look at how the world has dealt with peace and what the world has called peace. And and what what I want us to see is that, um, this walk that we have, this relationship we have with the Lord, this isn't just about me and Jesus. This is about a, 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 a real Savior in a real place and time coming and changing the world and him changing us and then our lives actually being faithful and effective in our generation to bring his peace to the world. Amen? So uh, so that's that's the goal, a big, big, tall goal. But let's break this down. So if we, if we look at the time, we looked at the, a little bit of history last week. If we look at the time in which Jesus came, it was a time that was called Pax Romano, the Peace of Rome. Now, it was really fascinating, this time that was going on. Uh, why? Because there was a, um, back at about 44 B.C., Julius Caesar had, had, was going about conquering the world under the Roman Republic And he was at the height of his popularity, and and William Shakespeare popularizes this event where where two of the senators, Brutus and Cassius, they they kill him on the Ides of March, March 15th. They take his life, and thinking they're going to to overthrow his popularity and and gain the ascendancy to, to rulership, but they don't count on a few things they don 't count on Mark Antony, his right hand man and his co- cousin, and how great an orator he is, and he sways the the public and he forms a, a a a partnership with with Octavian, who is the the adopted son of Caesar, and they form a partnership with a general uh, lapidus and and they, uh, they they go to war, they have these civil wars and these battles, and ultimately tri- this triumvirate beats out the senators but But then uh, Octavian decides that he doesn't really like Lepidus as being part of the group. So he goes to war against Lepidus, and he defeats him. Meanwhile, does this sound like a soap opera? This is real life. Meanwhile, Mark Antony heads down to Egypt and forms this relationship with Cleopatra. Nobody's ever heard of that one, right? And Octavian thinks that that's going to be a threat to him. So he goes to war against them and defeats them. And then he comes back, and he says, guess what? This is no longer a republic. I'm now the emperor. And then what he does is he deifies Julius Caesar. He says, Julius Caesar, my father, was a god. Therefore, I am a son of God. And that's how we get the name Augustus Caesar, the August one, Augustus Caesar. Now, here we have the world. And so for about 200 years from this point, he he expands Rome. And we have this period of time called the Peace of Rome. Now, now the significance of that is twofold. One, this is the world saying this is what peace is. We have created stability. We have created security. But if you are an an enemy of Rome, you weren't thinking that this was peace. This is a Tacitus writes this from one of the Britain leaders. He says, they are unique in being as violently tempted to attack the poor as the wealthy. Robbery, butchery, rapine, and the liars call empire. They create desolation and call it peace. So for 200 years, Rome is is ruling the world with this, this peace that they've brought in. And they're, they're calling the Caesars, what do they call him? Son of God. Now it's in this time. Now God uses this. We talked about this last week. Why? Because now there's this great road system. There's this great infrastructure going on. All set up for the gospel to be able to travel throughout the world. Amazing. But it's in the middle of that, in the midst of... This um, world's example of what peace is, that, that, that uh, with all eyes on Rome, either Rome's glory or Rome's tyranny, that there's this small little corner, way off in the corner of the, the Roman Empire, it's called uh, Judea, in this little tiny corner, God does something in a real act in history that that is truly going to deliver it. From the, from the enslavement of the world to truly bring peace in the world. It's there in this place that God is going to take the darkness and rebellion of the world and actually bring light. Now, Israel had been pining for peace. Israel had gone through, uh, they had seen the greatest empire in the world overthrown in order to fashion them as a nation. They saw the Egyptians wiped out God's hand, powerfully deliver them out. They saw the Red Sea open. They experienced manna dropping from heaven for 40 years. They they, they saw miracle after miracle, God on their side to form and establish them as a nation. But they went through times of rebellion, times of exile, times of separation. And finally, they're back in the land. And they're remembering the prophets. Because the prophets prophesied this. Isaiah said, listen, there is going to be a time when a child is going to be born. To us, a son will be given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace of the increase of his government and of peace there shall be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this the prophets are prophesying god is going to bring peace in the earth he's going to be bring peace in the world and they're looking forward to this time when this happens they're remembering the words of isaiah in isaiah 11 when he says uh, um Uh, uh, There shall come forth a a shoot from the stump of Jesse. He's using this poetic language. Jesse, referring to the stump of Jesse, it's a poetic way of referring to David. Jesse was David's father. And and, and David's line had been cut off. And there there was, uh, uh, how was God, who promised to bring a king from David, going to bring a king off a line that's been cut off? Just like a stump and a shoot coming out of it, life was going to come from what's dead. Life is going to come from what's dead. And in, in Israel, they're pining for this moment as they're living under the darkness of Rome. And, and it says what? It says the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the Messiah. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, of counsel and might, knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide disputes by what he hears with his ears. In other words, what he's saying, when the Messiah comes, all he's going to desire to do is the will of his Father. The fear of the Lord, so To live by the will of his father. But with righteousness he will judge the poor. Decide with equity for the meek on the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. And it goes on. It says that, that, that the wolf will dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the goat. The calf with the lion. The fatted calf together. And a little child shall lead them. How many are looking forward to that day? I many are looking forward to the day that Jesus will return, and the government will literally be established on his shoulder. The, I'm, I'm saying this right now because if we look around the world and, and face the darkness that's in the world, and we see the evil that's going on around us, are our hearts pining? Are our hearts longing like Israel was longing? Like Elijah, uh, um, Zechariah was uh, pining. Like Peter and Paul and Matthew were pining to see God's salvation. Are we pining for that? Are we longing for that? In the midst of this little corner, God's going to bring his peace and he's going to do it a different way. He's going to do it through those who are willing to be his vessels to do it. So I paint this picture, the suppression from the Romans. And here's a priest. He's an elderly priest. He's about to retire. Uh, he's He's been a righteous man his entire life. And uh, walking with the Lord, looking forward to the day of the Lord. Um, his wife is barren. He's bearing the shame of, of no children, which in that time was a huge shame. You know, everybody's asking, what have you done wrong in your life? Why is God cursing you this way? A, it, was a, it was a mark on their character. And, he, and, he, and, and it's a Passover that all the priests come together. And there's one thing that a priest can do, one thing that a priest can do that is like a, 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 a an opportunity of a lifetime. And that is they draw lots. And then they walk. They get that priest who gets the lot, gets to go inside the holy place all the way up to the altar of incense and gets to to refresh the altar of incense, put new incense on, make sure the fire's burning. And, and this is as close as a priest can get to the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest once a year can go into the Holy of Holies. But the closest that a priest can get is right there. And because there were so many priests, they used to draw lots to who gets to do that every day. And if you got to do it, you never got to do it again. You, because it was only once in, an, once in a lifetime opportunity. It was the most special thing you could do. And here's Zechariah nearing retirement. There's a whole contingent of priests, and the chances that he's actually going to get are slim to none. But nonetheless, he goes up, he pulls the straw, and he gets the opportunity to go in to this altar that represents the prayers of the people of God. And he goes in, and he's in there. I want you to picture this. Picture, you're Zechariah. You have this opportunity of a lifetime. You come up to this most holy place. You're trying to do everything just so right. And you're trying to get everything just like it's supposed to be in. And all of a sudden, an archangel appears next to you. What are you going to do? Change my clothes is what I would be doing. <laughs> and he says what? He says, he, he, he begins to tell him, That um, uh, where am I here? My pages are out of order. So sorry. It's not on here. He begins to do what? He begins to tell them, listen, you're going to have a son and his son's going to be, name is John. And he is going to go before the Messiah. He's going to begin to prophesy. He's going to begin to, 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 to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. He's going to call the nation to repentance because it, the time has come, the Messiah is coming. And of course... Zachariah is dumbfounded. He doesn't know what to do, and, and, and he doesn't know what to say. And, and so, so he says, well, how do I know all this is going to become, come true? And Gabriel, you know, the system says, are you talking to me? He's from New York. Gabriel's from New York. Are you talking to me? He says, I'll tell you how you know. You won't be able to say anything to anybody until it happens. And so fast forward uh, nine months. Um, John is born. And, and they name him John. And after he's named, the, uh, it's because of the tender mercy of our God, Zechariah begins to prophesy. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. God is giving us the path to peace. How many of us have seen Jesus Christ as the path to peace in the world? How many of us have seen him as the path to peace? As John is doing his part in this moment, being faithful in his generation. About three months after uh, uh, um, he talks to uh, Zechariah, Gabriel shows up to his little teenage girl. And, and she's about um, at 14, 15, maybe 16 years old. And he says to her, he says, hey, listen. The Messiah is going to be born from you. Sorry, I literally lost the whole page of notes here. So I guess God wants me to do something different. says the Messiah is going to be born from you. And this is what's going to happen. You're going to become pregnant. And you're not going to have a husband. You will have a husband. But you're not going to be pregnant by him. You're going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And this is going to be before... You're married. Now the Mary goes. How are you going to do that? So the power of the Holy Spirit's going to do it. It's going to be a miracle. She goes, okay. And she's willing to take on, once again, the stigma of being a pregnant girl in a place where she could be killed for it. Outside of being married. In order to do her part to bring the Messiah into the world. You know, we know about Joseph fast forward the night the the angel the the baby is born There's angels out in the field And and now it's it's interesting not angels. Sorry shepherds out in the field now It's interesting because this is a 24-7 job, right because this is nighttime And so here they are out there and what's interesting to me is is who do the angels appear The shepherds on night duty I, would, I don't know for a fact, but I would bet those are, like, lower on the totem pole. Appearing <laughs> to the shepherds on night duty. I say, listen, right now, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And all of a sudden, as this angel is talking to him, all of a sudden a whole army of angels show up. And they're praising God and they're saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased, with whom he has favor." And once again, the the, the shepherds, now they never mention Bethlehem. The shepherds go, hey, let's go to Bethlehem. And they hightail it and go to Bethlehem. They knew the scriptures. And what do they do? They do their part. Because after they leave and go to Bethlehem, they are going about telling. The Messiah is born. The Messiah is born. Sharing the good news everywhere. Doing their part. Now, I want us to look at this contrast for a minute. You have this guy Who leads a civil war. Who kills off all his enemies. And sets himself up as the son of God. And enforces world peace. And says now we have the peace of the world. That's how peace is done in the world. And then you have God. Who comes to the humblest. Comes to the lowliest. Who comes to the least in society. And says through you. I'm going to bring real peace. And through Mary. Mary. This baby is born, a child. God will establish peace on earth, and it's going to happen just the exact opposite of the way we expect it. It happens just the opposite. Um, If you look up a definition of world peace in in Wikipedia, uh, Wikipedia is not my favorite source, but they had actually a good definition on this. Said this, it's a concept of an ideal state of happiness, freedom, and peace within and among all people and nations on planet Earth. This idea of world nonviolence is one motivation for people and nations to willingly cooperate, either voluntary, voluntarily or by virtue of a system of governance that has that objective. Do so you get, catch that sentence? Sometimes reading between the worlds. It says, listen, the way world peace is going to come about is all the nations that get together and are going to volunteer to cooperate, or there will be a system of governance so that it happens. What it's saying is we're going to force it. We're going to force it. Interesting. Sounds like Rome, doesn't it? Then it goes through and it gives a list of 20 competing organizations that are working for world peace. Uh, Peace through strength, uh, Marxism, world peace uh, via world revolution, Democratic Peace Theory, Capitalism Peace Theory, Cobdenism, which is about free trade, Mutual Assurance, Destruction, United Nations Charter of International Law, Globalization, Self-Organized Peace, Economic Norms Theory, Non-Killing Political Science. And then you have Religious Faiths. You have the Baha'i, you have Buddhism, you have Hinduism, you have Islam, you have Judaism, you have Jainism, you have Sikhism, and you have Christianity. All saying, hey, follow our path to world peace. Let me ask the question. Will the world ever establish lasting peace? Will we? Okay, look. I think it is worthy for us to work towards reconciliation with other nations. It is worthy for us to work towards peaceful resolutions and not going to war. It's worthy to us to look at those strategies that, that help, uh, but based on a biblical worldview. I think that's helpful. But if our goal is thinking we're actually going to bring world peace in, the problem is we don't understand what the root cause is to begin with. You see, the reason why it won't work, the reason why it's not possible, is because the world seeks to be peace from the outside in. We will never bring peace from the outside in because we refuse to accept the depth of the evil within. The problem isn't nation going to war with war. The problem is the, the, the thin line of evil that's in everyone, every human heart. Amen? Amen? If we don't understand the root cause, how are we going to bring the solution? Alexander Solzhenitsyn was um, was in the gulags of uh, the Soviet Union. lived in the gulags of the Soviet Union, and um, he stood for truth in the Soviet Union, and and he, He was raised in a godly home and for years was imprisoned under uh, the the Marxist uh, Soviets, communist Soviets. And uh, when he came to the States, uh, he uh, was invited to Harvard. And while there, he began to express to Harvard what had caused the Soviet Union to fall. And the thing that he said was, listen, the reason why the Soviet Union fell is we had forgotten God. We had forgotten God. And he said in all the things that he experienced, in all the things that he went through, the absolute rejection that he received at Harvard was one of the hardest things he, re- he went through. Because if we think we can bring and sustain peace in this world without God, what we will end up bringing is the, the direct opposite. Um, how many of us have ever heard someone say, you know, I, how can there be God in the world because there's so much evil? Anybody ever heard that? And they they say, look, look, there's – David Hume was famous for saying, look, if I I brought any – if anyone were to come into this world, I'd show them this evil over here and this evil over here and this destruction over here. And his point is being, how in the world can there be a good God who is powerful, who allows all that to go on? Now, beside the fact that the argument doesn't hold up because they leave out multiple attributes of God – There's one particular businessman was having this conversation, two businessmen actually, this is a true story, we're having this conversation over and over going back and forth and finally, finally, the one businessman said, listen, I hear what you're saying, I hear what you're saying, but let me ask you a question. You keep talking about the evil out there, but what about the evil in here? What about the evil of all of your choices? What are you doing about that? Because Sultanese has said that the, the thin line, dividing line between good and evil, runs between the, the heart of every man and every woman. Jeremiah said it this way, "The heart of man is deceitfully wicked above all things.". The real conflict in the world, the real obstacle to world peace is that we're fundamentally in rebellion to God. That's the real obstacle. We're fundamentally in rebellion to God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things, desperately sick. Who can understand it? Malcolm Muggeridge said, the depravity of man is at once the most empirically verifiable reality, but at the same time the most intellectually resisted fact. Will you all pray with me for a minute? Father, we desire to hear from you. You know, as as we're going through this, I I appreciate the prayer. As we're going through this, I'm really stirred in my spirit. Ask a question. Um, Just kind of get to the bottom line of what's on my heart as I'm going through this. Um, There is a peace that we can have with God if we have our lives reconciled with Him. there's a peace that we can have with God as we draw close in relationship to him. Hmm. How many of us as uh, Christians understand the basic fundamental of the gospel that Jesus died on our behalf that we could have peace with God to reconcile us with him? How many of us understand that? I many of us understand that, um, you know, we, we are fundamentally standing in a place of absolute, complete rebellion to him apart from Jesus. I, I, um, it, it, I, I've seen so many young people that grew up with my kids walk away from Jesus. I've seen multiple adults That I've known who have claimed to have had a relationship with Christ for for decades walk away from Jesus. You know, the the forces of this world are not the forces of the world. They're spiritual forces that, that desire to destroy the church. Why? Because we are the representatives of Christ in the world. We are his body. But how did Jesus come the first time? He came the first time because faithful people of God allowed themselves to be used no matter what happened. What would happen to them in order for him to come. Now, how often do we talk about in our churches that we are looking forward to the return of Jesus? How often do we talk about in our church? We want to see Jesus come back. We know some people think there's going to be a rapture. Some people think it doesn't matter. Everybody's saying we want to see Jesus come back. We want to see the end of destruction in the world. We want to see the end of this ugliness that's going on in the world. We want to see the end of the darkness in this world. How many of us pine for this and long for this and see this? How many of us have made the connection... That God wants to do that, but he wants to do that because you and I have embraced Jesus to the point of not just that we're going to heaven, but that we have his peace that we say, look, you can have that peace too. If God has reconciled you to him through Christ, what? who does he want to reconcile through you to him? That's why we're called ambassadors. There's a weird scripture. It's probably one of the ones we'll study on Wednesday. It says this. Paul says, I I make up in my body what was lacking in Christ for your sake. Does that mean there was something lacking in the atonement of Jesus? No. It means that these who he's ministering to do not see the cross of Christ. So he lives the cross of Christ in front of them so they can see it. Our relationship with Jesus isn't about us going to heaven. Do I want to be in heaven? Absolutely, if if the Lord doesn't come back beforehand. But that's not the purpose. Heaven's just a waiting place to return with him. It's this life is the one that counts. It says, we live in this life and after this life, then the judgment. Hebrews 9.27. We have one life to live and then the judgment. Now, one of the things we're doing is we're moving towards a place where we're, we're, we're establishing a path of discipleship so that we become, as a church, missionally minded. But that's not going to work if we as individuals say, I want that in my life. I want to be a part of a community of believers who want to touch this world and change the world where we live, where we are. This is, this is, uh, uh, the seriousness of this is literally uh, more than we can imagine. But God has not left us in a place where it's all about the efforts we do. It's about us learning how to have a walk with Christ. When we actually, when we actually begin to develop spiritual disciplines in our lives where we're walking closer and closer with Jesus. What does that look like? I'll tell you what it looks like. You start loving God with all your heart. You start loving your neighbor as yourself. You start loving one another. You start praying. You start studying the scripture. You start taking care of one another. You start... Uh, uh, Seeking reconciliation with others. You start seeking forgiveness. You start confessing your sins. You're practicing spiritual disciplines all over and over so that you are growing closer to Jesus in your walk with him. And what are you doing when you do that? You're literally reaching other people because it's all about you can't do it without other people. You're literally reaching other people. Your families get healed. Your relationships get healed. But unfortunately, unfortunately, in our culture, what has happened? Christianity is, is is about where I can go. That's the best for me, not where can I go where I can best be with others. So this morning, as we're going through this uh, message. I had all these words that basically came down to that point. Guys, we have two responsibilities. This season is a season of peace. Understand, if Jesus didn't reconcile us to him, we're in trouble. Understand that because he did, we can live that peace by walking out spiritual disciplines in our lives. We actually become free free. And when we do that, we literally touch others. We change this world. We have two responsibilities. Number one, to be faithful in our generation. There is not, there is not, not one person in this room is here by mistake. Not one person is here accidentally. There are some of us who might say, well, you know, I I know my story. You know, I, I, I was here in accident. No, I'm telling you, even what man may have done by accident, God does on purpose. Joseph said to his brothers, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. There's not one person that's here by accident. Your life matters more than you can imagine. And it doesn't matter what age, whether you're one of these young people sitting right here, or whether you're one of our most seasoned citizens among us. Abraham left everything at the age of 75. Moses started his public ministry at the age of 80. And Jesus said, suffer not the little children to come unto me. It's not about how much talent you have. It's about how much passion you have for him that you live out. We have two responsibilities to be faithful in our generation. And the second one is to take it to the end of the world. Jesus said he's not coming back until that happens. If we say we want to see Jesus come back, how are we participating in making that happen? How are we participating in making that happen? How are we bringing his peace to somebody right now who has no peace. You know how many of your neighbors, how many of your friends, how many of your family members are suffering because they have no peace in their soul whatsoever? And there's no mindfulness meditation. There's no YouTube video. There's no Instagram post. There's nothing that's going to give them that peace outside of reconciliation with God. And we have it. We have it. We have it. So as we're remembering Jesus came, that we might have it, and that he's coming to set this all right, I pray our hearts are moved by all those who don't have it until he comes. Because that's what he's looking for. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we stop for a minute to contemplate who you are. We stop for a minute, Lord, to give a grateful heart to you that you have reconciled us to you. Father, may we exhibit an attitude of gratefulness to understand just how great your grace is in our lives. How far you have brought us. How there is nothing about us that deserves it. And yet you delight in us. How amazing that is. Stir us up by your spirit. That we would be moved by our gratefulness to want someone else to have that. Restore to us the joy of our salvation. Father, if there be anything in the way of our eyes seeing the greatness of our salvation, there's something we need to confess There's something we need to make right. There's something we need to get out of the way. Father, I thank you for the conviction of your spirit that chases us down. For the hound of heaven that won't leave us alone. And Lord, motivate us, inspire us to care about our neighbor. To understand you intentionally created us purposefully. For this generation, for this time, for this place. And to seek you passionately with all that we are, for how that is to be lived out. Lord, move in us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all.
0: From glory to glory to glory. Never be the same. We'll never be the same. You take us higher and higher and higher. We're forever changed. We do need help setting up for Andy's uh, Andy celebration of life this, this morning. So if you guys can help, I'd appreciate it. You guys have a wonderful week.